Thank you so much for tuning in to this encouragement series. You are going to want to find 1 Peter chapter 1, uh, verses 20 through 21. That's where we're going to be. Get your Bibles out, look, get your pen, get ready for some notes, because we are going to be uh, working our way through um, these passages of Scripture. Now, uh, before we go any further, let's have a word of prayer together. Just kind of get ourselves focused, get ourselves uh, just really where God is in the, in the center uh, of His will so we can hear what He has to say. God, we pray that You will help us to know what You meant by these verses. Yes, how does it apply to our lives? Yes, how can we love and serve God and Jesus and help others do the same from it? And, and also... Ultimately, what did you mean by this? Not what we think it's good or not how we can tweak or turn it or bend it or spin it so that it means what we want it to, but just what's the flat truth uh, of these passages of scriptures. And may we become more like Jesus uh, because of it and the way that we love, the way we dispense out uh, justice and the righting of wrongs. So help us, Lord, in all these matters. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, in this particular series, this encouragement series, remember this, Peter is writing this to um, Jewish Christians primarily, but then ultimately the, the church as a whole, and then those who kind of like to listen into family meetings, all the non-Christians, to encourage them uh, to bring uh, God glory by living boldly like Jesus Christ. He knows that when they were coming together to worship, when they were gathering around the dinner table, when they, they were meeting in the courtyards of homes, um, they were all doing that in, in such a way in order to um, sort of refuel, recharge, to recommission, to, to write the shift, to drift their way back to God. And this book is for that. It's an encourage you to live boldly like Jesus Christ. Now, if you're not a Christian, Salvation is the number one thing you need to do to finally accept that free grace uh, to be saved by um, through faith so that you might know what it is to be a part of the family of God, have Jesus as Lord, love, and great leader uh, of your life, that he will be your true Messiah and Savior. But more on that as it comes. But as you're tuning in, we're looking at this this passage here of uh, what goes on. So uh, when when I was growing up, there was a water park not far um, from the amusement park that I went to. It was in Kings Island, Mason, Ohio. And there was a water park there called uh, The Beach. And it, it's still there. Uh, but what would happen is, is when you go on, you'd, you'd climb up these huge ladders, right? You'd work and you'd work and you'd wait in line, you'd wait in line, you'd talk and you'd meet people all along while you're waiting. Then when you, you got to the top, there were like multiple water slides that you could take. Right, multiple options to kind of determine what it is, and and some people just ran right up to the first open open one. They just I'm going right there. I, however, sometimes like to take a different approach. I will talk to the lifeguard on duty, which, by the way, parenthetical, I'm not sure what a lifeguard is going to do for you at the top of a water slide when you're stuck halfway down. Like, I'm going, and if, what the guy's going to jump in and super speed down to me faster? I was like, why is he there? Then you get to the bottom. There isn't nobody down there. That's where the drowning happens. Anyways, I'm back. So you get up on the slides, and I would ask the lifeguard to be like, look, I want to enjoy this to its fullest. And I know that one of these slides is better and faster, that's what I went for, speed than all the other ones. They just, it works better, you know it, uh, which one is it? So I'd ask the guy or the girl that was working and they'd tell me, oh, you want to do the middle one. Stay away from the left one, it's, it, it's wrong, it's no good for you, but the middle is the fastest. And man, when I listened to those guys, they were right, 
almost 100% of the time. Um, it was faster. It was more enjoyable. And I came to find out that if I put my trust in the right kind of person, then I could really have a lot of hope and enjoyment for the maximum experience of the beach water park. I mean, because think about it. You pay an exorbitant amount of money to get into these places. You walk around all day long. You're meeting new people. You're seeing buddies from school or friends from the neighborhood. You wait in line for what seems like years to get to the top, and then it's like, boom, 30 seconds, and then it's over. So obviously, if you're investing all of that into the life of the water park, you want to get the best experience possible. Now, you need to know who to turn to to get that information, and who better to know than the insiders, right? The lifeguards, the people that work there. They give you the information. And the life that we live is no different than that. When we come across things that we face, um, as life gets hard, as it often does, or when life kind of breathes out and we get sort of an easier patch, God shows tremendous grace for us and we've just got a season of replenishment and refreshment and growth, then we, we need to realize in all of this life, that we've got to turn to the right one uh, to find that. And that's what these passages of Scripture is about, to help you to look at what it's going to be to uh, push forward and, and really put your trust and your hope and your joy and your faith in the right kind of people. I, I would never ask the person standing next to me because they'd want the good one. They want to go to the good one. They're, they're, most of the time, they're out for themselves. So here's where the one thing comes in. This is where the one thing's going to be um, extremely helpful for us. And the one thing reads... Um, this way, God is still on the throne. God is still on the throne. And this one thing helps to see, like, look, for the non-Christians, it's a warning. It's like, look, God, God's, he, he's still up there, however you want to look at it. But God's still on the throne. He's in control. He's sovereign. So for the non-Christian, it's a warning. For the Christian, it's, it, it, it's a warming thought. It's just a, a warm blanket on a cold winter's night. It wraps us around and says, you know what? God's got this. God's got this, God's got you, God's got me, he's got us, he's got this whole world. And his way is, is the best way. So if I'm going to invest so much in a water park, then certainly I want to invest so much into my own life. Uh, marriage, or dating, or school, or jobs, or where you worship, or just simply have fun like a water park. You want to make sure you're trusting and pushing after the right kind of person. How are you going to know who that is? How are you going to know what to do? That's why the one thing's so important. It's going to bear itself out there. But I just want to remind you, no matter what you're going through, maybe this is one of the best times of your life ever, somewhere in between, or you're just like, this is rock bottom, it can't get any worse. Please remember that God is still on the throne. Now, let me, let me give context to this passage of Scripture. I think it's very important when we study uh, the Bible that we understand the context in which it's been written. That way we don't misinterpret things and certainly misapply things. So this is in the passage of Scripture uh, on holiness. So, so here's what holiness is. Holiness means being totally devoted and dedicated to God. It means you're set aside for His special use and you're set apart from sin and its influence. So God set you aside. He set you apart from sin and influence. How are you going to know when to do that? How are you going to know where to do, especially when life seems overwhelming or there's so many good choices before you? How will you know where to pursue and what to go after? And, and I'm glad you asked because 1 Peter 1, 20 through 21, it's going to help us to unpack that, to, to, further, un, to, to further see what God is in the midst and what God is doing. So no matter what you're facing, 
just remember this phrase. It, it's a good life phrase to lock on, to, to have it in your heart, to keep it in your mind as you stroll towards a, a obedience and journey through life. God is still on the throne. Let's look at verse 20. And we're just going to dive right into the scripture here and begin to unpack this. God is calling us in this section of scripture in the Bible to be holy. So I gave you that definition of holiness, talked to you about what it is. It's about being devoted and dedicated to God. That, that's what God is calling you to. And not just the Christians, but he desires that for every person on the planet. After salvation, the great journey of life is holiness. The great pursuit is sanctification. That's, that's what we go through, becoming more and more like Jesus Christ. Or maybe you've heard it this way, Christ-likeness, becoming like Christ. So that's go. Look at verse 20. I would say as he was, so if you read back in verse 19, you know that he is Jesus. So let me just read it this way. Jesus was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for the sake of of you. That's how he's made known. So Jesus becomes flesh and bone. We celebrate Christmas. That's when we commemorate it at this point of time in what the Bible describes um, as our last days. Now, here, this is a cool passage of scripture because when you start thinking about God still on the throne, it also reminds us that Jesus and the Holy Spirit have always been in existence. In fact, Jesus and his purpose has always existed. It actually existed before there was existence. Because that's what it says in verse 20. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world. So, if you can wrap your mind around this, which you'll have, before there was nothing, Jesus and his purpose existed. That there be the salvation of God. And, and, and I get that. As a parent, as a dad, as a husband, I, I sit with my wife and, and we, we sort of prepare for things that will come. Like if this is going to happen with our kids and how do we set them up to love Jesus and serve Jesus the way God is calling them to and, and to make disciples and to, and to exist for God's glory. How are we going to do that as a family? We talk about that ahead of time because we know it's coming. Our kids are going to face all kinds and they are temptations and struggles. Sin and its influence will continue to barrage my kids every day just like it does me and just like it does you. But holiness tells us, and this purpose here tells us, that Christ existed before all of that. So it's setting up this foundation and go, look, there's something bigger and greater and grander to your life and the purpose to it. So he becomes flesh and bones because we needed him to, right? That's why we set up certain things in my household. I do them not because I need to do them, but because I know my kids need to learn these so that they can make it and thrive in the world that waits for them once they leave the house, once they're out of the umbrella of, of mom and dad and they're out on their own. And Jesus does this because he's the only way to be free from the wages of sin and death, both now and forever. And it's telling us this, like, look, if he was foreknown, who was he foreknown by? God, because God's still on the throne. He's still sovereign. Jesus saves. The Holy Spirit comforts and guides. And it's telling us this is like, look, here's the deal. To be set apart from sin and its influence. Now watch this. this in that verse 20, it's really fast that he was made manifest in what? What was he made manifest in? The last times. Whose last times? Yours. Mine. He was made manifest for the last days, the last times. Now, you, I was thinking about this this week and really meditating on it. You are closer to eternity than, than you realize. 
And I know we've got some 20-somes and teenagers who watch this, and then we've got um, some 80-somes and 90-somes that will watch this too and just be like, well, yeah, of course. Uh, I mean, I've just I've lived my life. I know I'm closer to eternity. But, but everyone's closer to eternity than they realize. And don't forget that. Let that compel you to live biblically. And that's what Peter's doing. He's like, look, when you come across stuff and you're wondering what to do and where to turn and who to get advice from and where to glean wisdom, remember, you're living in your last days. I was just texting some pastor buddies of mine and we were and just kind of reminded them, you only get one shot at this life. There's no second chance to which I say, praise the Lord, right? Like, who wants to do junior high again? Nobody. Junior hires don't even want to do junior high right now. So who wants to do that? But instead, as Christians, we die, we get to go to heaven. On non-Christians, they die and they go to hell, which stirs up this great urgency in us, which, which I would say to you, when you know that you're living in the last times and the last days, that should stir up a, per, a, a, a perception that's different. And it does. I've said by many a hospital bed, I've said by many thriving Christians and growing Christians in, in a peak of their faith, and they're all like, look, I'm living for this eternity that's going to come. So God, before there was anything, sets this plan in motion for you to be able to pursue and live in this life the way he designs it to, in, in a way of, of holiness, to pursue after that. So remember the one thing, God is still on the throne. God is still on the throne. Look at verse 21. Look at verse 21. This is where it starts to kind of unpack for us. This is where we begin to see it. We see all that God's done, which, by the way, is crazy, right? For thousands of generations, before time existed, before Adam and Eve, before there was nothing, He has made this way. Verse 21. Who, through Jesus, are believers in God, who raised Jesus from the dead, God did this, and gave Jesus glory, so that your faith and hope are in God. So now we see a couple of things uh, taking place, first of all, in this verse. So through him that are believers in God. Um, so all of those who want to have hope and faith in God, who, who want to enjoy um, life to its fullest, only the Christians have any chance of doing that completely. And that's what we see here, because it says, through him who are believers in God, which comes from Jesus that God raised from the dead. So salvation, it's the only way to God is through Jesus Christ and belief in Him. You must confess and believe, be saved by grace through faith. God is still on the throne. The Bible tells us He sees only two kinds of people, saved and unsaved. There's neither Greek nor Jew, slave nor free. He just looks on the planet and goes, those are my kids, they're saved. Those are yet to be my kids. I hope they will be. I, I have designed and created and made a way for them through Jesus. I hope that that's what they'll do. And you are one of those two people watching this. I just know it. You're either a Christian, you're already saved, or you're not a Christian. And you're not saved. And God's still on the throne is what we talked about last week. How God's going to judge impartially and how Jesus' sacrifice on the cross is worth living fully devoted to God. So I'd say to you, look at what God did for Jesus. He resurrected him from the dead. He gave him glory that to sit at the right hand of, of him and gave him that glory. And when you look at what Jesus um, has experienced and what God did for him, that same God strengthens our faith and fuels our hope. So no, so no matter what you're going through, or, or, or maybe you say it this way, no matter what the world's going through around you, your business, your employment, your neighborhood, your community, your part of the country and or the world, you're sitting there going, how in the world are we going to navigate this? 
what are we going to do to help make a difference and to influence change? To, to bring apart, if, I, if I'm set aside for God's special purpose and, and set apart from sin and its influence, how do I do that? And, and the first place we start after salvation through Jesus is remembering that God's still on the throne. Rachel and I do that all the time for each other. It's just a reminder that we give. When we start feeling overwhelmed or feel like things might be spinning out of control or, or wondering how things are going to work out or, or, or maybe you're just being tempted to, to not have faith or, or, you're, or not have hope or not have joy, we remind each other of that. It's one of the biblical things that we could say that just brings us back. God is still on the throne. It's not in the systems of man or the safety nets of man we find our peace, but in the sacrifice of a Savior, which we saw in verse 20. It's in a sovereign God and a spirit that is holy, that comforts and guides. So you look at this world and you're going to move forward and the world's going to show bright spots and then it's going to show dark spots and you're going to have dark spots at work and in your worship time and, and growing a thing and you're like, what's going on? I would just say this, just yank yourself out of your own life and just remember for a moment as you look at yourself from 30,000 foot view that God's still on the throne. I mean, if it's one of the things that I could equip any Christian, I would say that. To constantly remind yourself, to lock in your heart, to repeat in your mind that simple one thing phrase. Because look what comes out of verse 21. So that your faith and hope are in God and in no one else, right? You put your faith and hope in others, they let you down. You've had broken relationships. You've had jobs that have not worked out. You've lived in a community and neighborhoods that weren't so great, maybe aren't so great. I mean, when we put our faith and trust in men, they're eventually going to let us down in, in some way. Now, maybe a person will only do it once in our lifetime, or maybe it's repeatedly. But when you look at life, there, there's got to be more than just that, just trying to make it and survive through. And there is. It, it, it's in God. It's, it's putting your faith and your hope in Him. So here's where I ask the question, what is your faith and hope in? Now, if you're watching this, or, or if you're in a church service, or in a small group downloading this and watching, you're going to be like, oh, well, that's easy. We're here because, you know, we love Jesus, and, and that's where our faith and hope should be, or it is. But I want to go back to the, the throne for a moment. I think it's really important. I think it's really important to think about this throne. If you want to really know where your hope and faith resides in, then you, you're going to look at a couple of these things. Who sits on the throne of your heart and decides what you do? Who sits on the throne of your heart and decides what you feel? Who sits on the heart of, and you might be like, oh, I can't control my feelings. No, no, no. You can. You Sure, you can be tempted to feel a certain way, but you don't have to entertain that feel. You don't. You don't have to be ruled by the feels. You don't. Who sits on the throne and decides what you say, what you think, and what you're becoming? So you look at those, what you do, feel, say, think, and what you're becoming, that's telling you where you're putting your, your hope and trust in. That's, to, that's telling you where your, your, your faith resides. If you lost your job tomorrow, if a significant other um, or child passed away tragically, or if you were granted the promotion you always wanted and got all the money you ever wanted, and all the things of this world were added unto you, who would you think, who would you be grateful for, who would you truly really serve? And you have to look at the throne of your heart. Go back and listen to last week's message. There's a great little section on that about um, where your treasure is. That's where your heart will follow out of Matthew 6. And I'd have to ask you, what, what do you do, feel, think, say, and what are you becoming? How's all that going for you? 
A great way to kind of identify what you're doing with those things is your expectations. What do you expect? Well, do you, do you feel let down? Are you pleased with the way things are? You know, is God still on the throne or is he not? Do you try to push him off, proverbially speaking, just sort of as an analogy, and you try to sit on the throne of your heart, the throne of your, your resources, uh, as we say it this way, the throne of your time, this throne of your talents, and the throne of your treasures. Like, who decides how that's used? Does God do it? Because before the foundations of the earth, he made a way for you to not have to pay the wages of sin and death. And in this hard world, we need a perfect guy like the Holy Spirit to do it. So let me, let me just give you here as we close out, just, just some ways that you can get with God and begin to truly live out. Because remember what it says at the end of verse 21? So that your faith and hope are in God. Faith is this inner belief that affects our behavior. Hope is for the things that are to come, right? You're like, here's what I put my hope in. Here's what I desire. Here's what I want. So regardless of circumstances, you know, God's, you know, your will be done on earth is in heaven. Is that, is that your prayer? Is it some sort of weird mixture of you and God? Is it all just what you want? All what you need? All what you desire? If you're struggling with the heart throne of, of what you do and having God sit in there, here's what I'd say. Start, well, I, I have to start here first. Salvation, right? Because I don't want this to jump into some sort of pharisaical deal like if I do these deeds, then I'm good, right? We know we're all going to be judged by our deeds and partially by God. But if you're not saved and if you're not a Christian, you, you've, there's, there's no hope for you in eternity to end up in heaven. None. Zero. And there is no hope for you to get through the influence of sin. It's just going to beat you down and beat you down your entire life. But after you're saved, after you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, after you believe in your heart that God raised you from the dead, then, then you begin to take these journeys. So I guess, I guess you're about to listen into a family meeting, non-Christians, and I'm talking to my other brothers and sisters in Christ. Who sits on the throne of what you do? And here's how you can know that. Whom do you serve? Whom do you serve? Why do you do what you do when you do it? Whom do you serve? And that's easy. You can just look at your life and purpose and and not just your intention, right? We're judged by our deeds, not just what we thought would be good to do. If you're struggling with your feelings and emotions, which, hey, I get that too. Just sometimes you just, seems like you can't control them and they master you. Look at where you're sacrificing and extending generosity. Where do you sacrifice and where are you generous? Is it in order to bless yourself and to make things easier for yourself? Is it order for others? Because if, if God's on the throne of your heart, then you are going to seek to serve others. You're going to seek to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to the Lord. So you want to get your feels in check? You want to get your emotions in check? Then you have to sacrifice for others and for God's glory. What about what you say? Let's just say your words, man. You're just... Cutting words, right? I've never, never liked that phrase in my adult life. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words would never hurt me. Any adult person knows that's not true. Words hurt more than, well, I would just say it this way. Some people would rather have broken bones than a broken heart. Because you can mend a broken bone easier than you can a broken heart. So what about the things you say, like, man, on, on the throne of my heart throne and by what I say, because out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks... How do I get my, what I say, in control? This is classic. 
And it's encouragement with what you say and encourage others. Uh, maybe what your great-grandma used to tell you, if you can't say anything nice, then don't say it at all. Encourage others. There's, there's wisdom there. You speak the truth in love with what you say. Not just the truth. And not just all lovey-dovey stuff, but you put them together, you've got a great biblical response. Or maybe the last thing you struggle with how you're thinking, just your mind. And I'd say fill the gaps with grace. The Bible tells us not to entertain any thoughts that are evil or outside of God's will and His biblical teaching, but fill gaps with grace. You think somebody's trying to cheat you, rob you, mistreat you, get one and up on you? Fill the gaps with grace. You think somebody's trying to overlay you know, honey in your ear and poison in your heart? Fill the gaps with grace. Because why? God's still on the throne. God's still on the throne. And who are you becoming? Ten months from now, ten years from now, who are you going to be the most like? God and Jesus and His ways, some imperfect version of yourself that's kind of good in some areas, who carries the scars of needless suffering that God was trying to help you to avoid, but also just did not follow after what he has. And when you're becoming, it's, it's giving glory to God. So who sits on the throne of your heart? Because God's still on the throne, right? Remember the one thing, God's still on the throne. And when I'm talking about the throne here, I'm talking obviously, most literally, the throne in heaven. The throne over all creation. The throne over everything. God's got you. He's got me. He's got it all in there. And in, when it comes to encouragement, that's what Peter's doing. He's like, look, Jewish Christians, when you go out in this world that's hostile against you, remember God's still on the throne. When you don't know what to do, remember God's still on the throne. He's sovereign. He'll send the Holy Spirit to guide you. He's given Jesus the example. Study your Bibles. Don't just read it. Spend time with other Christians. Serve others. Sacrifice generously for others. Encourage others. Fill the gaps with grace when the devil in your flesh wants to fill it with conspiracies and hurt and suffering and take it all to the Lord for his glory and make disciples. So, so how's all that going for you? As we close this message out, I have to ask the question, how's it going for you? Is God on the throne of your heart? Is he the one that you turn to with how you think and feel and do and say and what you're becoming? Because that's the encouragement answer. When you're sitting before someone and they're weeping and they're crying over the, the state of something terrible in their life, you remember God's still on the throne. And when you want to celebrate with them with a milestone of, of marriage or birth or promotion or something good or just a refreshing intimacy with God that has come through their worship time that they have every day and you celebrate with them, you remember God's still on the throne. He has given all of these good things. So number one, you're watching this, you're listening to this, if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I want you to know God's still on the throne. And you have but two destinations after you die. And you can live under his protection and under his guidance in this life, or you can live outside of that at odds and as enemy to him and end up and die in your sin and go to hell. Or you can be saved by grace through faith because his death and resurrection and live forever in eternity with him and have God to lead you through the minefields. Sometimes miraculously, he'll just make the minefields go away. Other times, through faith, he's going to guide and weave you through. There's no greater person to trust or put your faith in than God, and that comes through Jesus, the Holy Spirit at work in your heart. So I would say to you right now, be saved. Do it right now, wherever you are, in the car, at the office, wherever you need to do, at home. Kneel and pray if you can. Stop and pray. Or, 
or however it is, pull the car over and just take a moment and we'll pray this together. God, we pray for for this person that is just like, Lord, uh, to be saved. I think of family members and neighbors that need salvation. And Lord, I pray that they will ask you to forgive them for their sins and that they'll ask Jesus to be Lord and Savior of their life. And they will begin to live for you. So Lord, might they do that. Just simply say, God, forgive me for all my sins, all my, all my wrongdoings, thinkings, and sayings. And, and, and ask Jesus and God to dwell in them in the, in the Holy Spirit, in their hearts, in that mysterious spiritual way, so that they might be able to live for that. And Lord, lead them to a great local church. Lead them to a point of baptism where, where Christians and other non-Christians can celebrate their transformation as they are being set apart from the sin and its influence and set aside for God's special purpose. And for those of us who are Christians, Lord, and the newly saved, like the people who are watching this, help us to always remember that you're still on the throne. To say, you know what, God's on the throne, he's got this. He's got me. He understands what's going on. He knows he's leading. Before there was anything, he made a way through Jesus. So we praise you for that, God, and pray that we'll live like that. Let's live like we're going to spend time with God forever. Because as Christians, it's true. So let's just share the truth and love. Let's serve others generously. Let's do what we can to encourage them. Let's do what we can to build them up. Let's fill the gaps with grace and just seek to sacrifice all we can for God's glory to make disciples. God, we love you. We thank you. We cannot do this without you, nor do we want to as Christians. So help us and use us, serve us, tip of the spear, front of the lines as we go and we serve in this world. Might we bring about change in our homes, in our neighborhoods, city, state, and nation, even the world, for your glory, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Love you guys. Have a great and wonderful rest of the day.